Come, just line up over here. Come in, come in. <laughs> Church, why don't you stretch forth your hands towards them. Father, we thank you for each and every one of these young lives. Lord, and all that you have planned for them and all that you want to do in them. We, we pray for this upcoming school year, Lord, that you would protect them. Lord, in every classroom, with every teacher, with every friend, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, I pray that you would help them be your light into every place that they go, into every room, into every friendship, into every conversation, that they would remember your statutes, that they would remember your commands, that they would remember, Lord, all you have called them to do, all you have taught them, all their parents have taught them. Lord, that they would remember you and that they would be your light every place that they go. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you would direct their steps, their friendships, Lord, all of their work. Lord, that you would be with them and that they would know, Lord, how to call upon you in every time of need. That they would learn, Lord, how to have conversation with you, Lord, and to rely on your spirit to walk with them, God. That they would know, Lord, that you are with them everywhere that they go and every step that they take. We pray your blessing over them this year. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Amen. We love you guys. You're all dismissed as E-Kids now. We're proud of you. It's always good to celebrate our young ones and all that God is doing in their life. They're growing. Even to see a few of them get baptized last week was just so incredible and amazing. So proud of them being able to make those decisions to follow God. But it's good to be here. We are, are continuing our series. So if you're new with us today, we're going through the book of Luke. And we're in the part of Luke where Jesus is getting closer to the cross. And he's having these intense conversations the closer he gets. And he has his face or his eyes set on Jerusalem, meaning he's, he's getting to Holy Week. And so we are in a series right now in the part of Luke called The Road to Jerusalem. And we're going to have John come up. He's going to be preaching today. Why don't we give it up for John? Thank you. Thank you. So before I start preaching, tomorrow is Justin's birthday. So can we wish him a happy birthday, nice and loud? Come on. Happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You guys noticed that I didn't sing on the mic because I'm not gifted like my wife, so um, just take it from there. I didn't want anybody to leave in offense. But um, today, <laughs> made Justin laugh. Today, um, I've been given the privilege to preach from Luke chapter 11. I have like 67 verses, so I'm going to read them through. It feels like 67. So um, we're starting out from verse 37, and we're reading through to 54. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. 
So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give, all, but give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing. One of the lawyers answered him, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. Should have not done that, dude. And he said, woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel and the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who, who enter. As he, was, as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to, pre to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, God. We thank you for um, the light that you've given us, Lord God, to reveal to us everything, Lord God. And we pray today that you would illuminate our hearts, Lord God, that anything that displeases you, Lord God, you would give us the strength to repent and to walk away, Lord God. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, a spirit that's receptive, Lord God, a soil, Lord God, that's fertile, Lord God, for the word of the Lord today, Lord God. Hide your preacher behind the cross, Lord God, that you would speak through me, Lord God. And I pray for every area, Lord God, where I may fall short, your word will not, Lord God. I pray that your word will find good soil, Lord God, in every heart here, in person and online. In Jesus' name, amen. So that was a lot. And the first thing I'm going to say is I'm not coming for anybody today, okay? So what I'm saying, I'm not coming for you. I'm just sharing what was in the text today. So I read this and I, and I thought to myself, so Jesus is calling all the Pharisees and lawyers hypocrites. That's the essence of the whole text. He's like, you guys are hypocrites. So I was looking in the text and I said, what are the characteristics of hypocrisy that he's calling out? And I thought that I would share those with you today. So the first one is we judge by human standards, right? They invite Jesus over to dinner and Jesus sits down and the first thing that they notice is that he didn't wash. Now, don't get it twisted. Jesus wasn't disgusting. He washed his hands. He did, it doesn't mean that he didn't wash his hands. It meant he didn't do the ceremonial cleansing that the Pharisees were used to before a meal. 
It was so ingrained in them and so instilled in them and so important to them that many times they did it throughout the course of the meal. So they would have the first course, then wash their hands again, then have the second course, then wash their hands again. I don't know if you've ever sat at a table with multiple courses. I don't have time because if I get up from the table, somebody's either going to take the food off the table <laughs> or somebody's going to eat all the food on the table. But they were so um, appalled that Jesus didn't do the ceremonial cleansing. This thing went so far as they had consecrated water to cleanse their hands before a meal. Like something as simple as going before a meal, they had something so difficult. So they judged him based on this. They made a judgment about Jesus based on the fact that he did not wash his hands the way that they washed their hands. And you're like, well, what's the big deal? How many of us do the same exact thing to people when they enter or they come into church? They don't look like us. They might not be dressed like us. So we judge them based on how they're dressed, based on what they're wearing. If it's not in style, if they're dirty or unclean, we have judgments based on what we want, our human standards, not God's standards. And we can easily turn someone off, but I love how Jesus responds. Jesus responds and he points out their hypocrisy in that. And that leads me to my second um, characteristic of hypocrisy. We have greater concern with the outside as opposed to the inside. This one might ruffle some feathers here today, okay? So they had this strict washing routine that they cared about the outside so much and Jesus is like, you care about the outside of the dish, but you don't care about the inside. It's corrupt. It's evil. It's full of deceit. It's full of greed. Didn't the same God who made the outside also make the inside? Those words should have resonated in the Pharisees' hearts, but most likely they probably turned an ear to it. And they were so appalled that he would say something like this to them. When we look at 1 Samuel 16 to 17, God lets us know his standard for judging people. He said to Samuel, as Samuel was getting ready to anoint the second king of Israel, King David, and Samuel had David's brothers stand in a line, and he went through each one of them, and he's looking at them, and he looks at their outward appearance. He looks at their stature, and he's like, well, this guy's handsome and tall and strong. He looks like a warrior. He looks like a king. But this is what God says to him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God calls us not to care about the outside as much as we care about the inside. Our inner life matters more than our outer life. Our inner life would be represented in our outward life if it's right. Now you're talking to a kid who grew up in church. I grew up in the pew, okay? My parents are here. They raised me in the things of God. As far as I can remember back, I was in church. Every Sunday, multiple services, all that kind of stuff. So if there's anybody in this place that knows how to play church, I know how to play church real good. I can make you think everything's well. I know when to raise my hands. I know when to shout praise the Lord. I know when to cry. All those things I'm good at. I know how to play church real well. 
But there's been times in my life that I've played church and inside everything is wrong. Inside, my heart is full of sin, full of deceit, full of wickedness. All the things that are not supposed to be in me are in me. But nobody in the room could tell. But what it says here is that God, he looks past those things and he looks at our heart. And that's what he cares about. And it's real easy to be hypocritical in church and to play church well. When I was thinking about that, I couldn't help, you know, David opened it up when he preached, so I can go there, but I'm not mentioning no names, right? We've got many pastors nowadays that they look the part. They dress the part, right? If you look at their social media, their Instagram, they got the sneakers that everybody wants. They've got the clothes that everybody wants. They've got the cars that everybody wants. They've got the houses that everybody wants. But as we've seen in the last few years, scandal after scandal after scandal, their inner life didn't match their outer life. So they looked like they were prosperous in the things of God, but in their heart, there was wickedness. And at some point in time, God's like, I'm not going to let you get away with it. I'm going to expose it. If there's no repentance, I'm going to expose it. This was Jesus exposing the Pharisees for who they were. This was their opportunity, if at all, to repent, to get before God and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But as we know, they just doubled down on everything. My characteristic number three, we substitute the minor things for the major things. So Jesus points out, he says, your tithing is right. Let me clarify that, right? Tithing is good, okay? So giving to the Lord is good. Jesus wasn't saying it was bad, but he's saying, you put that here, but justice and loving God you put here. Your priorities are out of order. I like to put it this way to you. If you're a mom or a dad, husband or a wife, and you have a home, and you want to provide for your family, and you work 100 hours a week, make a good salary, you have a nice house, decent car, clothes, food in, on the table every day, but you're never at home, at the end of the day, what is your family going to say? They're, they want you. They don't want the things. And God is saying the tithe is good. Yes, it's good. But the things that matter most you're not doing them. You're not doing them. You proclaim them out of your mouth, but you're never actually doing them. You're not living them out. We can get so concerned about being perfect in the house of God that we can become hypocrites in his house. We get so concerned about living in a certain manner that it looks like we're doing the things that God wants us to do but we miss the mark. We miss the things that he's actually calling us to do. We miss the, the, the love. We miss the justice that he's calling us to live out. He's, he, we miss the, the fact that we're supposed to go out and care for people. All of those things. But I, I serve three times a month. I give every week. I'm on that morning prayer call. All these things are great. But the things he's calling us out to do to be the witnesses, That's right. we just don't, we don't put them in the same, 
in the same standard. We don't put them at the same level. We're like, well, this is right here and this is over here. And God's like, no, no, no. It's my economy, my, my, um, my priorities, and I'm going to let you know which ones are first and which ones are second. Number four. This one's another one. Wow. Um, we influence other believers with our hypocrisy. Mm. Jesus called them hypocrites. And when I was looking up that word, that word, when it was translated, actually meant actors playing a role. He was calling them actors playing a role. Now, I happen to have the privilege of having a brother who's an actor. And I've seen him play many roles, right? And none of those things that he was playing is actually who he is. So he's really good at doing that, right? And we've seen really good actors playing a lot of roles in movies and stuff like that. These Pharisees were really good at playing religion. They were really good at playing lovers of God. But everything underneath what people saw was not them loving God. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about us. And how often we can get caught up in playing a role that we're not meant to play. Right? And... Uh, the Apostle Paul, he did a good job of calling out one of the other apostles, Peter, in Galatians, about hypocrisy. And i like to take a moment to read that. And it's found in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. But it said, when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if though a Jew like, live like, oh, sorry, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? It's very easy for us to um, impact other people in this community, other Christians. It's very easy for us to have an effect on their lives, especially those in leadership, right? It's very easy for us to just um, have, have a negative or a hypocritical impact on them. And this is what Paul was showing when Peter did what he did. And it was a small thing that Peter did, right? It's something that probably most of us wouldn't even pick up on, but Paul picked up on it. He was eating with Gentiles, doing what, chilling with them. And the second the Jews entered the room, he left the Gentiles and went over and started hanging out with the Jews. And then all the Jews that were like him got up from their table, hanging out with the Gentiles, and went to the Jewish table and started to eat with the Jews and left the Gentiles by themselves. Like there was separation. It's easily, he led them astray. <clears throat> and in the church, we have the ability to do this to our fellow believer. By our actions, by the way that we conduct ourselves, I can tell you many times I've seen Christians, they don't necessarily learn by coming to church and sitting in service. Oftentimes they learn by watching other believers. I learned how to pray by sitting in a room with people who pray and praying alongside them. In the beginning, I sounded like them. And as I grew into my own uh, prayer, 
life, I started to pray on my own. But in the beginning, I started to sound just like the people I was praying around, right? If you're a parent, your mannerisms, your kids copy, right? Micah does this face that just does. There's this face. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you tell them to do something and then they just does that face. And I love just. So when Micah does it, I see just and I hold back the. What's wrong with you? Like I asked you to do something. But then Shiloh. She has my mannerisms. So she does stuff. And then what I do in the house, my kids do, and they copy me. There's stuff that I could share, but I won't because it's very embarrassing that I've done on vacation. And my kids will copy me in the car, you know. Um, but they'll, they'll copy me, like, during, like, just in the middle of nowhere, they'll just start copying me. There's a song that I sing, and um, <laughs> I love Chicharón de Pollo, all right? So, there's a song that I sing, right, and I have this melody and everything. I won't sing it on the mic because I really know this is going to be online and I don't want people <laughs> coming back five years from now. Yo, let me sing this song to you. But there's a song that I sing. We're in the car. My parents were in the car with us. We're driving back. All of a sudden, Shiloh starts singing the song in the back of the car exactly like I sing it. So, if they're impressionable, we're impressionable. And if we're around each other, we start acting like each other, right? So if there's someone new to the faith, what happens is that they get around other believers and they want to, they, they, they're like, well, I want to emulate this person. I look up to this person. And you may not necessarily be a leader in the church, but you're a leader somewhere. Someone's following you. Someone's looking at you. And you can impart bad habits on them. You can impart hypocrisy on them without even knowing it. And Jesus, he says, he tells them that they're like unmarked graves. What does that mean? I looked up and I was like, okay, what does that mean? So Numbers 19, verse 16, it says, also anyone in the open field who touches one who has been killed with a sword, who has died from natural causes or human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. Jesus is saying, you are unmarked graves. People are walking all over you and they're defiling themselves. You're defiling people by the way that you live. Your hypocrisy, the way that you live, defiles people. Man, if that wasn't something that would cause me to turn and run. And you may think, well, I really don't hang out with people too much. Well, you have neighbors, you have children, you have your social media profiles. You know how many in people that are influencers make me laugh when they're like, I love God and everything on their page has nothing to do with God. <laughs> everything. They're like, yeah, I was at the Taylor Swift concert. Woo! It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, oh, I was doing this and it's like, well, that is not Christ-like in any way, shape, or form. But they'll tell you that they love God. They'll have a podcast, and they'll mention God in the podcast. And people are like, look, they're a Christian. Uh. 
My fifth one. We make Christianity more difficult for people. You know how many people I talk to that have gone to a church or say that they don't want to be Christians because of all the rules and regulations that we've created that are nowhere in the Bible? They're nowhere in Scripture. People, we make it so difficult to follow Jesus when, in fact, it's very simple to follow Jesus. I didn't say it was easy. It's simple. The Christian life is not easy. But following Jesus is simple. It takes belief that he is the son of God. And then it's walking in a relationship with Jesus. It's not living by some set of rules and standards and all these other things. It's being in relationship. He corrects us when we're wrong. He tells us we're wrong. He gives us his Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Church, we need to stop creating rules and regulations for people to follow to try to make them better Christians. We don't make people Christians. We don't save people. We don't do any of those things. We're called to disciple, to walk alongside them, and to help lead them along the way. That's what we're called to do. These religious leaders, they weren't doing that. They were creating standards that nobody could live up to. The Ten Commandments are hard enough by themselves. They added on. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Cooking is hard enough, and then you start adding on other stuff that you got to do. Um, you know, I can't bake. Just can bake. I can't bake. I don't like measuring stuff. I find it too difficult. That's how I look at what happens when you, when you add on stuff to Christianity. You make it so difficult that not everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to enjoy the benefits of Christianity, but you're not going to want to do it. My last characteristic that I saw, there's more in there, but the last one that I want to call out is we crush the truth in anyone who brings it. Jesus says that they've killed the prophets from Abel to Zechariah. And at the same time, that's exactly what they were trying to do to him. They were trying to catch him in something so they could, so they could uh, set him up to be killed. Hypocrites don't like being called out. They don't like the truth. Don't like it. I've been there. I've been confronted when I've been a hypocrite. I've been confronted by leaders, by friends, by spouse. <laughs> it hurts. But there's two ways that you can react to the truth when it comes to Jesus. You turn you repent and you walk afresh with Jesus or you hate him and you hate the person that brought you the truth and you try to discredit them in every possible way you can. They're being judgmental. Mm. They're hating on you. You offended me. Christians love that word. You offended me. It's like, Yep, the truth is offensive at times. It's okay. It's offensive. But like I said before, when the spirit is inside of us, the truth that's brought to us, the spirit bears witness with that. And if we have the Holy Spirit in us, he'll let you know they're right and you need to repent. 
You need to turn. So I thought today, well, if I bring you all of this, like, what's the, what's the cure for hypocrisy? There's deep self-examination that needs to happen in our hearts. Because at one point in time, I can tell you, we've all been hypocrites in some way, shape, or form. We need to really examine our hearts. But the cure for hypocrisy is the gospel. Everything that Jesus was saying to them was truth. And the gospel is truth. And I couldn't help but think of the ways that the gospel helps to fight hypocrisy in my own life. It humbles us to recognize that we're no better than anyone else. Apart from his grace, his love, his mercy, we would be utterly lost, just like everyone else. So you can't hold someone to a human standard when you know that that standard that you're holding them to, you yourself couldn't be held to. It reminds us that God offers salvation and heaven as a gift, and it's not based on merit. He chose us. We didn't choose him. We're called to be witnesses. So hypocrisy tells us that you didn't save yourself, Christ did. You didn't clean yourself up, Christ did. It's the gospel of grace. Like I said, it's not a gospel of merit. See, the Pharisees, everything was about merit. Everything was about reaching some goal. Everything was about perfection that no one could live here on earth in flawed, sinful human bodies. But Jesus came with this gospel, and they were so offended by it, they hated it so much that they wanted to try to um, capture him in something that he was saying that was blasphemous so that they could persecute him, so that they could put him on a cross, so they could kill him, so they could get the people to reject him. And for us, Jesus is coming today, he's speaking to our hearts, and he's like, what are you doing that's opposed to my gospel? What are you doing? What are the ways that you're living that you're influencing others that just doesn't match up? And this is our opportunity to go to him, to bring, our, to, to bring all of our um, wickedness, all the dirtiness in our heart, and to say, here, I, I don't want to do these things. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I love you, and I want to live a life that loves you, not just out here, but also in here. Like I said before, it's the inner man that Jesus is after, not the outer man. If you're coming in here and you're trying to impress us, it's, it's not the right thing to do. It's, it's not going to get you anywhere. I'm not going to get you into heaven. Justin's not going to get you into heaven. I'm not going to make your life any better. I promise you that. I can't make my life any better. I'm not making your life any better. When you come in here, your aim, your goal, when you're out there walking in the world, your aim, your goal should be him and him alone. If you're pleasing him, if you're making him happy, if you're putting a smile on his face, that's what matters. The Pharisees, it says that they lived for man. They lived for the applause of man. When they were in the marketplace, they wanted to be recognized. When they went to the church, they wanted the best seat in the house. Usually that's the front seat, just so you guys know. Um, <laughs> so all you guys are in great seats. That's what they wanted. 
They wanted the applause of man. And what makes me laugh is that if you want that, God will let you have that. But if you want him, he'll give you him more than all those other things. So Ben, you guys can come up. Today, God is calling us to repent of any, any hypocritical ways in our lives. But he's also giving us markers to watch just in case we walk down that path. And I want to let you know, I'm accountable to you and you're accountable to me. So if you see any of those markers in my life, call me out on it. And if I see any of them in your life, I'll call you out on it as well. But only, don't only do it for me. Do it for each other. If we're called to be a community, if we're called to be a family of believers, then we're called to love one another. That's one of the ways we love one another. I want to encourage you. Love your brother or your sister well. Care for their soul. If they tell you everything is good, I'm blessed and highly favored, most of the time it's not that way. Okay? Anytime that term is used, I always, that's a red flag for me to go talk to that person. I want to encourage you today. Let's examine our hearts. Let's take these next few moments. And if we have to repent, let's repent. All right? Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for your word today, God. I thank you that you love us so much that you've left this uh, portion of scripture to remind us, to give us uh, markers in our life, Lord God, to give us characteristics, Lord God, of hypocrisy, Lord God, where we can easily go off, where we can easily be actors playing a role in your house, God. We don't want to be actors, God. We want to be true followers and believers of Jesus. We want our heart, Lord God, the inward parts of us to reflect, Lord God, on the outside, Lord God. We want our heart, Lord God, to be full of your love, full of your justice and your mercy and your, your, your loving kindness, Lord God, to all mankind. So we pray, be with us today, Lord God. If there's anything in our hearts that we need to repent of, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you would give us, Lord God, the strength, Lord God, to repent and to walk away from those things, God. We love you.